And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hello, hustlers, founders, inventors, and startup enthusiasts. This is your temporary guest host, Ron Chigetta. This is the third out of fourth part series exploring Silicon Valley startups, food innovation, tech innovation, and biotech. Uh, I run an accelerator called iAccelerate. I've been on the show a couple times, uh, but uh, now I'm guest hosting and I'm bringing on some of my favorite teams to talk about their experience in sort of the fast lane of food tech and biotech uh, and consumer tech, which is a really rapidly growing field. Um, uh, and so you, in case you don't know me yet, I've been on the guest uh, on the podcast a couple times with Matt DeCourcy. Uh, you can sort of find, uh, find some previous talks on the podcast listing on the webpage. Uh, but before I introduce you to today's guest, let's take a quick moment to thank Fullscale for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Go learn how Fullscale helps you build a winning software team quickly and affordably by visiting fullscale.io. Now, let's get to our guest. We are sitting, uh, Startup Hustles come to you directly from the world headquarters of Orbillion Bio, uh, a cultivated cultured meat company, sorry, uh, there's different words for it, but a cultured meat company in San Francisco, California. They have offices in Los Angeles and San Francisco. We'll talk about what it's like to run a split startup like that, uh, among other things. I'm sitting here with uh, Samet Yildirim and uh, Gabriel Tremblay, and uh, and they are they are the CTO and founder and uh, COO of of Orbillion. Um, uh, Orbillion was a YC uh, company. With, your class was a winter 20, 2020, 21. right? 21. Oh, 21. So you guys graduate in January. Mm -hmm. And it's been kind of a wild ride this year, right? You just closed funding, um, was it eight months ago? When, yeah. when was it done? Eight we, months. We had an oversubscribed round and we closed in March of 2021. Right. And I think that's really, uh, there's a couple of interesting things about this. Uh, we're going to talk about what uh, cultured meat is and, and how this whole idea came about. Uh, do you want to tell us like, just like what is it that Orbillion does and what is cultured meat in general? Yeah, for sure. We just take a small biopsy of an animal and we basically regrow the meat of the animal without the animal. So we don't need to kill the animal. Meat without just, the animal. We just literally grow meat and it tastes like meat. And all right, so for all listeners out there, here's another question. Why would you want to do that? Because we get lots of meat now, right? This is a common question I get. I think, you know, um, first of all, we love animals. Uh, we don't want them to suffer through the process. Okay. And then the, the second is that the current animal farming today is, is very harmful to the nature. So we just would like to bring some sustainable technologies to reduce that harm and then give some longer run rate to our earth. Right. I think that it's, although the exact number is somewhat in dispute, I think between 15 and 40% of greenhouse gas uh, emissions by uh, people annually is supposed to be related to the growing of meat. 
Exactly. Uh, it's very high impact. Um, and uh, it's also a concern for the diet, isn't it, for people? Yeah, and people happen. eat more and more protein. So at least we are giving this alternative where you don't really need to take more space on earth to grow cattle. You can now just do it in, in a smaller space. Right. So the, the vision is you're going to have this plant and just meat's just going to come out of it. Is that about right? Exactly. Just like a beer brewing. When you go to a, a brewery uh, at the core of your house to have a little beer, it's made locally inside a building. It's going to be the same type of process. We actually, in the previous, in, in, in the last uh, episode, an earlier episode of the series, we had Will Clem, who was the founder, co-founder of one of the first lab-grown meat or cultivated meat companies. And now you guys are sort of like the avant-garde of the second wave of companies, but you're not alone. Like there are, I just want everybody to know, this is kind of in a certain circles, kind of a big deal. There's uh, probably about 90 cultivated or lab-grown meat companies in the world now. The startups have taken, was it $500 million in investments this last year? Exactly. And uh, it, you know, we are expecting to see products on the market very soon. Um, and uh, and a lot of people haven't heard about it, but it's quite it's quite the movement, and it's been in Forbes and on CNN, and all this idea is sort of getting around. It's been amazing. Okay, but so now let's get back to the founder journey here. You guys want to tell me how is it that you got involved in this crazy idea? I mean, personally, I was uh, working on bioprocessing for developing drugs, and um, I thought bioprocessing can solve a lot of different variety of problems that we have in the world. And then the drug manufacturing is already well established. So I said, okay, you know, what's the next? And then food security came up, the strongest that we can resolve that. And so what, what is bioprocessing? Tell us a little bit about that. So bioprocessing is using the biological technologies to produce products such as drugs. You can use cells to produce drugs for you, mm -hmm. like uh, biologics, especially mm -hmm. antibodies and such. Uh, and then you use biological processes in the way. So our, like our vaccines. Like, like our vaccines, vaccines today happening, correct. Right, and, and, and drugs like yeah. cancer treatments and exactly. things like that. Right. We take the cells and then put them into a container called a bioreactor. It is a, a physical environment that mimics uh, their, you know, the, the environment within the original animal they are taking out. So then uh, that helps us to make those cells as happy as possible and then grow inside the you know, vessel and then take them out, you can use them as a, as a drug or you can use them as, as whatever variety reason. You put, you put the cells in and meat comes out. Exactly. Right. But the, the, the bioprocessing is a way of sort of like getting the precise material out in the form that you want. Um, right. I think Simon is being humble because it takes many, many, many years of school to try to understand this stuff. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a great career because it's very high demand now yeah. as well, as well. Turning the mush inside a tank into a product is uh, not a mean feat. It's a pretty skilled thing. All right, and, 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 and Gabriel, where did you come from? Like, how did you get on into this? So I think I was always uh, mission-oriented. Every job I took was always mission-oriented. I actually was working in one of the very few large nonprofit on Wall Street in New York City. Just to tell you, <laughs> I really wanted to make- Do you ever eat lunch alone? <laughs> <laughs> never. Uh, uh, Pre-COVID, yes. Uh, uh -huh. Never happened, but I'm sure after I probably ate probably after that's a, that, a That's times. still a rare thing, rare card to hang out on Wall Street. Like, I'm working with a nonprofit. 
Exactly. It was a nonprofit that was very profitable. How about that? So they, they just they, they understood how to do this. But I think I got to a point where I was very comfortable. I had built a small team. We had, I think, triple our assets at the time. So our oh revenue gosh. went from like two million to about ten million. And uh, I was very comfortable. I started the startup with uh, Sam and Patricia, which is our other co-founder who's not there today in the podcast. And I think uh, it's just the mission was really what I wanted. I, I was seeking to have a larger mission, something that would make an impact. Right. Well, that's, I think that's something that a lot of people in the space share. But uh, it's just, it's incredible, right? Because the scope of meat is just incredible. Like, how, what... What are this? How much meat? I don't think people know how much meat in North America is sold. I mean, this is. I mean, this is think, trillions of dollars around it, the world. So I think it's in, in multiple market, trillions it's a, in the world. Extremely large. Market. I think together with the seafood is around two trillion dollars. Uh, but yeah. meat itself is also very close. I think it's seven hundred billion, seven hundred exactly. billion in North America alone. So per year, yeah. So it's. Uh, I, I don't. We all go and you know you can all get a hamburger from five guys, but I don't think you think about like how many other people are also getting hamburgers at that moment. And there's a, just a tremendous amount of beef being moved. Um, so, and, and that's, that's, that's the global, that's an amazing amount of impact that we have. I used to, I used to, I co-founded a dog food company and we used to call Wild Earth and we sold a, a lot of, when we were investing, looking for investors, we would just tell people, look, if you just take the dogs and cats in North America, they are the far five, fifth largest country in the world for meat consumption. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's how much meat that we sell every we eat everybody. That's the the leftovers alone are like Korea. So, <laughs> um, uh, so you guys. So what was it like though? I mean, it's. I think one of the things I'm real always fascinated about is you have this mindset change. Like for at first, it's just like the three of you having coffee, right? And you're just talking, well, we could, we could put together a presentation. And then, then you like, you blink your eyes and like you're opening your first office and you've got this bank account that's, you know, got what you think is a lot of money from some investors. And what was that like for you? You want to talk about, that was a crazy time. Actually, exactly what, what, what you said happened. I mean, I had a lunch with Patricia uh, to come up with an idea about, you know, let's, let's build a startup. Uh, and then after it followed with the coffee, of course, and a very long <laughs> coffee, coffee, like very long coffee, like I think five shots or something like that. Uh, it, it is not an easy decision for anybody. Uh, so you need it's to hard. I think it's harder for you and, and you both more than most people who are on the show because you guys have good jobs. You're well established. I mean, the, the amazing thing about one of the things that sets a brilliant part is for the field you're all very much veterans of the industry. You've had years and years of experience. You really have a deep technical sort of background and you're leaving comfortable positions to basically start something. You're starting with a company that's value is zero. Like that's a big transition at your point, right? So how did that feel to you guys? I mean, I think it's it's a question of risk. Actually, Sam and I did, <laughs> did a survey or a survey about our characters and we answered the answers and in the percentage of high risk, we were on the maximum. So we are people who love to take risk. I think this is a risk <laughs> in our career. Not healthy, but yeah. Not necessarily healthy, you know, for yourself. <laughs> but I mean, I think it was a great risk. I was comfortable. I was in my dream job. I think Sam was in his dream job. We, uh, you know, we move and we, we made this decision together. We really believe on ourselves. We raised this money. 
it started with a dream, but I really honestly think that who we are and the reputation we have and the knowledge we've learned was helpful for others to believe in us as well. So we have built that character already. So I think I, I like to remember people that, you know, all of the things you've done in the past will help you raise money today because you're more believable. I went to school, uh, you know, up to a postdoc at UC Berkeley mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Sam went to the best bioprocessing school in the world. I mean, we, we didn't just end up here. We actually had the confidence that we can do this and people had confidence in us too. I, I would like to put this way. So going into corporate was more painful for me to going into a, a startup because I was always uh, dreaming for a startup. So I, I came to the United States to really build a startup in a, in a right way, like in a more scientific, like the in startup world. Um, so the the corporate world for me was a step. As, as That's true. mentioned, it's it's hard to believe that it's hard to sort of leave your first step. When the second step is exactly. dropping some of your salary, exactly. you've got a mortgage. <laughs> the, the, exactly. The, the issue, the, the problem that I, I, I had was I stayed too long in the corporate. So then yeah. you became a, a that, you know corporate person. And then stepping outside is not easy. It is not. There's a golden handcuff, as they say. But there's something so refreshing about it. I tell you something. Samit and I work together, but we still call each other uh, several times a day, text each other. We appreciate each other. Same with our other co-founder, Patricia. And I mm -hmm. think that with any of those large jobs in a big organization, there's a lot of politics going on. It's very usually top to mm -hmm. bottom. So, right, the CEO and the leadership team, they come up with idea and then it comes to the other person, the manager of the manager of the manager. And then, and then, these people lack context when they make their idea. And it's it's normal, it goes with any large organization, but I think we have the opportunity here to create a company also for the people and mm. for ourselves mm. that reflects our value, which would not necessarily be so tough. That's, to that's, that is me. I think, you know, I really resonate with you guys are saying because I'm, I'm like you guys, first of all, on a risk survey, I rank very high. I'm like, I'm just like, oh my God, is there a dime down there in the toilet? Like I will, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'll do it, you know? And so uh, I, I came out here looking for startups the Bay Area in 2000. And like, I, I did the same thing, like 12 years later, I'm a team lead and I've got all these people under me and I've got this mortgage and I've actually got a couple of kids. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's like time to quit my job. You know, that's not, that's not normal, but I think everybody, I think really great entrepreneurs, I mean, that's why I love, uh, one of the reasons I love working with your team and you guys is that, is that, you know, I can tell you're driven by something that's not just like comfort, you know, or security. And I just find that really invigorating. And I think, I think it's a very common trait for entrepreneurs. And it's one of the reasons I love working with them. Uh, can I, can I add one thing over there? Oh yeah. So uh, I totally agree with what you said. Um, you, you need to find the comfort in an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. I was running an innovation program in a, in a corporate company, which was gigantic. Uh, and then I had a very big budget. And then one of the problems that I had was the big budget. So it, it wasn't creating an mm -hmm. uncomfortable environment for people to come I up with that. a breakthrough innovation. So that's why startups are very important. And if you're an innovative mindset, if you have it, so the best place is going to startup. Go with your dream. I love that. I love that. I often think that myself, that like, actually, you're not, when you do a startup, you're not actually looking for money. You're looking for poverty. Exactly. <laughs> because it just makes you, 
do something you'd never otherwise do. Uh, and uh, it's, but what's really amazing that we have people that actually chase after that and want it. <laughs> That's the part I'm not sure I can explain to everybody. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna make a time for a little break. Today's episode of Startup Hustle sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably, and maybe get your startup uh, startup going. So we're uh, gonna take the second half of the interview now and talk about um, talk about like what it's like to, so you guys got the money and you have to get started. And then some things happened. Like uh, I remember Patricia's like, oh, we found our money and we, we have an oversubscribed round. Let's look at labs in, in San Francisco Bay Area here. That's not what happened. So who wants to talk about that? Hmm. I mean, the location is a very interesting story because there's a lot of the, the personal issues that comes to mind as well mm -hmm. as the monetary and space availability. But in our case, I think that one of the lab that we have in Los Angeles is partly because I was relocated for, re relocating from New York City uh, to the West Coast. And I have a partner who works in fashion, obviously fashion in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it exists yet, but it's there coming. There is no nearby. fashion in San Francisco. Kind of like the rock music, the popular music scene, you know, we have Journey and that was like the last thing. So exactly. So it was a hybrid, right? It was like, okay, I need to come with my partner. We need to establish ourselves somewhere. Mm -hmm. And LA is a great area. Also, LA has a university in which we had a collaboration. So to be honest, there was this drive to be closer to that collaboration as well. I mean, LA is a hugely vibrant uh, uh, incubator space, really. And there's a lot of uh, little pockets, but it's such a large region that mm -hmm. if you don't work, like people who worked in the movie industry, they all work at Hollywood, right? But in LA, if you work in tech, you could be uh, literally Anywhere. three hour traffic away from- That's right, which could be just 10 miles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, so, so let's talk about LA because, you know, people talk about the Bay Area all the time. Actually, one of the things I love about working with all the startups across the accelerator is like it's geographically distributed. Like out of the 14, 15 companies I have, we're currently working with, there's only two of them in the Bay Area. And that's, I counting, I'm kind of counting you, but you're actually only half here, right? So, I mean, what is LA like? Like, you know, I mean, is it is it a good place to, to start a startup? And, you know, what kind of resources are you seeing there? It comes with great things and comes with challenge, right? I can tell you a little bit about both, but like I told you, I think that, you know, I was in an interview last week and someone decided not to, you know, they, they, they were interested in, in our company. We were interested in them too, but mm -hmm. it, it's very challenging for them to commute to the area that we are in LA. So LA is, uh, is geographically challenged mm -hmm. within the city, but LA is extremely welcoming, meaning that uh, when you come in, I made so many friends within mm -hmm. literally a week. Hmm. And I felt that also you're away from each other geographically, but you're so much more welcoming when you meet someone that is from your you know, tech industry versus in San Francisco, for example, where I lived for many years, uh, everyone is in tech. <laughs> some sort like, of tech you can't even right? get an eyebrows yeah. raised. I'm like, I'm an engineer I, at Google. That's nothing. LA, nothing. LA also brings a lot of, you know, economical advantage as well. If you, if you look at that perspective, I mean, it's not far away from Silicon Valley. It is, it is reachable mm -hmm. uh, for any company. Uh, it is cheaper, relatively. A lot to, cheaper. Yeah, a lot cheaper, especially for the love space more availability uh, compared to here, and then great talents. I mean, um, for, for a startup like us, I think it was a very good choice to go down to LA and then find the great talents there. 
That's great. And so uh, let's talk about expansion. So how many, how large is the company now? Let's see, you funded in January, February. It's November now and people will be hearing this in December. So, you know, nine months. So how long, so... Yeah, nine months. I think we, uh, like at this moment, we are reaching to nine people. Wow. Uh, I think nine months ago, we were only four or five. Um, so it, it is very fast. Uh, and then we are growing further. So we, are, we have opened seven positions as well. Oh. So what kind, of position, what kind of people are you looking for? I think it's important here. It's like this is the decision that we made, uh, Sana, uh, myself, and Patricia, is that we really want to hire people with the with a lot of talent and 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 people with lots of experience in the topic that we're working on so we are hiring the best of the best and we did this by design meaning that we want people who will challenge us and we all have a very you know something that's very different from our company compared to many other company in the field is that we all have a very high level of education mm -hmm. in the area that we're talking about right so i have many years in synthetic biology like i told you seven in bioprocessing but think about it the more education you have the more you recognize that you don't know anything about that specific topic you're working on so we hire these people to cover for this area yeah and i recognize that i don't know it they know it so we are uh, run very equally in our culture, meaning that people have high education, high knowledge of what they're doing, so they have an equal voice to ours in, in okay. our daily so, activity. So that's interesting. So let me stop you right there. So what you're saying is, you know, you need really, really high-skilled, very focused people with tremendous amount of experience and knowledge in their particular fields. You are you're going to be working with them, but you don't really necessarily know because the company is expanding its scope. So you need people in fields that you're not familiar with. And then you got this culture thing, like how is that, how is that related, right? How, you know, everybody wants employees better than they deserve for lower pay than they can afford. So like, but, but there is an attraction there. And so how does that work with Orbillion? I mean, I think, I think what I describe ourselves as founders is really like we are the enablers. We bring the best talent available, um, and then we just allow them to bring our vision into a reality. And then we just ask them what you need. Okay. And then our job is to make sure that their needs are fulfilled, and then they can go above and beyond in within their okay. roles. So this is a really critical, this is one of my favorite questions. As companies go beyond that seed round, uh, where they may take in two or four or six million dollars. Uh, I've, I've actually been through, sat through a hundred of these deals now. After that, that's when the challenges start, folks. You know, what we're talking about is something called culture, which is one of my, the favorite thing. I love to talk about this with the teams because it's something that we often forget. Things are happening. You're starting to hire people. You're signing leases. People are inviting you to talk and telling you you're really wonderful, which is like the worst thing that happened to you in the world. And uh, and, and, and so people often forget what it's like to work at the company, that it has a personality, right? And uh, so you guys are like wandering into a very big topic. It's really important. So how is it that you're creating, let's go into the details. How are you digging into this environment? How are you creating this place where these people would come in? Because they all have options, right? That's, what, that's the only kind of person you want, is someone who could go do something else. Well, I mean, you, you know, if you want to work in an environment where you have a equal voice, that's definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. But if you bring the best talent, right? Talent want to hang out with talent. 
I mean, one of the most motivating thing you can have is to give your heart to work and have someone else next to you who's at equal position within your organization, who is literally not leveraging or, or giving as much support as you do, right? So we feel the same. We hire the best of the best because they will hang out with the best of the best. And a small team of extremely performing people at work can uh, equal an army. Right. They can make they make major leap of innovation, and we've seen it already in our company within the last six months. People yeah, really reaching their potential is an attractive feature. Yes, and this was probably easier for our startup. The only reason why is that Sam, you know, Sam and I, for example, had a lot of experience building team before, so we knew that. So that's an advantage I would say that we had. Mm -hmm. But I'm wishing it to anybody who starts. Yeah, start. yeah. I mean. Yeah, I can, I can only second that. I think the, the fuel for the talent is the other talent. So you just need to bring them into close proximity and then give them a very good vision. And then, you know, mm -hmm. just feed their, you know, desire in a way that, okay, we are going to come up with something breakthrough. This kind of, because with you guys, are, I'm going to slow down here a little bit and focus on a couple of things because you're saying some things that are actually very unobvious to a lot of people. And I, I know this, I have, you know, being in the startup world, what you see over and over is what they call sort of like the startup bro kind of culture, which is sort of like, we know what's going on. We're the elite team. Management's going to push all these things out. And we're just kind of going to control this. It's very top, top down sort of thing. I hear so many people, including very expensive advisors, say that like, well, the CEO's there to basically make things happen. And so they need arbitrary control over everybody. They, 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 want, they, they prefer a top-down, highly controlled situation. Uh, and for me as a startup, I don't really know, you know how, where that comes from, but you guys are quite a different example. How does that work with you guys? How do you see that? Ron, I think that, again, I go back to this experience. I think when, you, when we start, Nobody wants to be managed. Nobody. <laughs> if you're demotivated, you have to be managed exactly. because you're demotivated and you're not working at mm -hmm. your full potential because it might not be the job for mm -hmm. you. But when you hire people that have a lot of talent and experience or, or lots of drive, for example, you don't have to manage them. You have to mm -hmm. enable them. So I would say that keywords, but you really just enable them. That's the beauty of it. Now, it works at the size of organization that we are at. Well, it works forever. It is possible that we have satellite little organization within an organization. That's fine too. But right now, at the size that we are, this is mm -hmm. the perfect uh, the perfect sweet spot. Don't That's manage, simple. enable people, hire the best. And and both Gabriel and I have uh, many years of experience that the top down approaches always fail. I mean, bottom up approach. I think they, as well. they exist a lot. They actually. exist a lot, but you know, it, but yeah, nobody the likes them. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Labor Day. Yeah, failure, failure, failure can be described in a minute. You can lose your people. It doesn't mean yeah. that the company is going to fail. Don't right. get me wrong. But you know, at the end, if you would like to get the most efficient engine, this needs to be you know self-sufficient and then feed itself, and it comes from bottom up, and then and that's what we are trying to build in Norbillion. That's that's great. So, well, I mean, uh, for those of us who are trying to start our own little thing and and want to think about what's next or have a cultural sort of like problem, like. What? Give us some tips. How do you how do you create this environment where people reach their full potential? <sighs> One tip. I always think about um, um, about a chicken, and that's <laughs> I here. think about chickens too. It's sometimes. not so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad for a okay. big company. Yeah, uh, but okay. you know, 
you know, you really protect your egg, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you protect your egg so that the egg will, you know, eventually um, the baby will, the, the, the little chick will come out and they have the eggs and they will be kept warm and, you know, <laughs> but does the chicken tells the egg come out and that's how you come out? No, 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 no. You just protect them. You put the people who work for your company, work for you, work mm -hmm. for themselves because you're a startup. So you're part of the story. And then you uh, just give them anything they need around themselves. And that includes also support at the personal level, as well as uh, support at work with uh, physical things, materials, mm -hmm. and, and other. Uh, so the, the top down is thinking about the environment and create and a comfortable and safe environment and mm -hmm. stable environment for your people and mm -hmm. then make sure that they need what they, they have what they need. I mean, people here haven't, haven't met Patricia yet, although if you go on the web, you'll see her all over the place because people like to talk to Patricia, the third co-founder, co but uh, the three of you are a really great team. You guys get along together really well, right? Exactly. And that, that, that sort of diffuses out. I mean, I think that shows to everybody how that works. Yeah. And, we, you know, I, I mean, we are human. We have conflicts sometimes, but, you know, we have a role in the company. If mm -hmm. we have a conflict and you didn't call your co-founder 10, 15 minutes, maybe one day to resolve it, then you have an issue, like a real issue. Mm -hmm. So we we do not do that. We just call immediately each other. We tell each other in a nice way. And to be honest, over the phone is so much better via email. We just have this great communication with each other in person. That's I a think goal. We don't hesitate. It's a priority. Priority is for us yeah. to be. Because I see a lot of co-founder situations where people aren't really enjoying each other. And I think the three of you do. That, you know, It's great having dinner with you guys. Um, and uh, I, I think it's a great rule. Just don't go to bed angry kind of thing. I mean, people do that when they're married to someone, but doing it for work means a lot to a lot of people, I think. Yeah, and great advisor too. Exactly. Ron, you're one of our advisors. <laughs> we, we have to say that, yes. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I mean, great advisor all the time, all along the way. It's super important. Ron is, you know, people probably don't know in, in this podcast, but you're one of our official advisor. You've been there since the start. Yeah, really help in the us journey. grow. Exactly. That's important. You ask questions, you have people, you have your mentors, an advisor is a mentor. Oh, really. thanks. No, I appreciate it. I really love working with you guys. Um, your, your team is really cohesive in a way, and, and it's really, it makes a huge difference to the, the company. I think, I think the, the realization of why the conflict is happening is very important. It is, it is the, the reason that we all have passion about this, this vision, right? So everybody wants something good coming out and everybody has an opinion about it. But, you know, as, as uh, Gabriel mentioned, it is very important among co-founders to build that mechanism of right. how to overcome that and then, you know, how quick right. we can. Because I think, I think the much more common way of dealing with a conflict or a disagreement is to ignore it <laughs> and <laughs> oh, just yeah. let it snowball and then into this make horrible yeah. thing. And then you've got to force somebody to get out. I think that's often what happens, you know, and, uh, and I, I got to say that, like, actually, if you study a little bit about corporate culture as a company starts very small and gets bigger, uh, what you see is that, like, or what I see is the personality conflicts and their general personality and the way that they treat each other amongst the co-founders, it becomes the mood in the company. Like, it's astounding how quickly everybody picks on up on it and they all just sort of follow it, you know? Uh, and you can't almost control it. Like you can come in every day and say like, we are a happy company. And they're like, you can have an all hands and just sort of talk about it. But people kind of still know what's really going on, don't they? Yes. 
Yes, they do. And <laughs> I think, I mean, we're lucky because Sam and I also had a co-founder, uh, Patricia, which, like you say, is very well known all over um, the media. But she really early on, she brought up this concept of like uh, making sure we invest on the three of us. I, that's something I really admire from her. She brought this in this team. And I think we you know, just followed this this rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think co-founder problem is probably, yeah. From what we know, what we hear from our friends and colleagues and former colleagues, yeah, it's you know one of the most common failure for our companies when co-founders don't hang out because if if you know if the people who found the company don't hang out and don't spend time together and don't make a point to go for dinner, which is all those time when you resolve That's problems, when you, get through you resolve thing. problems, you know, by investing in each other, not by mm -hmm. running away from each other. So I think that's yeah, that's the best. Yeah, make amazing. sure to hang out with you. Yeah, I, I think I think founders should make sure that they have a good time invested among each other to really like spend time together and then talk. That's that's the most important thing. And I mean, Gabriel, when Gabriel says it sounds like yeah, no, it's just a dinner. No, it's very important. The the, the most of the conflict. How often resolved. do you guys physically get together? Oh, oh very often. I fly to San Francisco every week. Sam and Patricia fly to LA almost every two weeks and sometime alternate and then we we go for a trip together. That's and amazing. This is probably the best investment we've ever made. That's great. I think I think there's a, I love I'm an amateur psychologist, which is one of the reasons I enjoy what I'm doing. Like I work with the teams because I'm also interested in their personalities and how the culture is forming and all this. And um, and I find it amazing, but you know, humans are really, they're animals and they're not, there's no telephones in evolution. <laughs> there's no iPads. And, and I think that you really need to see somebody almost every day. Otherwise, otherwise they seem, they start to seem more distant and mysterious and shady, even if you know them really well. You know, I think, I, I think married couples have the same problem, you know, families have the same issues. Uh, but, uh, but companies, you have to work together. Like there's going to be another quarterly meeting and uh, it just shows up immediately, I think. That's a, that's a very good uh, example. And, and I, I also want to say that build a good experimental design. Mm -hmm. What communication method works best? I think we tried all of what you said, like hot tablets. Like so you scienced your culture. Exactly. So we, that's we, crazy. we have a period of trial of any method to communicate to each other. If it doesn't work, just kill it. It is it is what it is. So, and I figured out what is the best. And I realized that it is always like a face-to-face -face communication. Yeah, I yeah. think it's interesting you found that you can't replace that at all. No, not at well, all. Thanks for sharing that result. Yeah, <laughs> and one other tip that we do is every few months, I think every three months, with everyone on the team, we review all the meetings that we have. And if those meetings are not necessary for the next three months, we just cut them right there. So we evolve our communication in many different ways. Also internally with everybody, everyone, we literally, everyone has a voice. Okay, do we need this? No, bye. We need this one, we need a new one. Okay, let's do it. You know, I think it, it's incredible that like, I think it's really important to notice that like, you know, you guys are trying to make meat out of cells and, you know, and and and, and reduce the price by, the price by a hundredfold. And, all these other things that are sort of ahead of you, but I think still it's really important to talk about how you get along. Because if you don't get along, all of the other things aren't going to happen. I think that's 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 why it's always on the bottom line there. Exactly. Yeah, and encourage the idea, right? You don't want people to start hiding 
the best idea because they feel afraid to say it. I mean, they, you need to be encouraged for that. That's true, because you need to innovate at a very high rate, right? You need to bring in these innovations super fast. You don't have a lot of time. And making people feel free to speak, that's an amazing point. Yeah, and that respect, money is not necessarily the limit time has. <laughs> we need to be the first with a product, and we know that, and that's you know we're very product oriented. That's that's the way okay. it works. So, so what do you guys? What, what can you talk about? What your product plans are? Like, what's what's for the future for Billion? When will people see you guys in the news? We are expecting to to launch our very first product uh, sometime in end of 2022, 2022, and the beginning of twenty twenty three. Wow, uh, it, it's, it's a fast. It's very fast. Very fast. So uh, watch the grocery store aisle. <laughs> so that's why we need talents to join us. I'll just bring us back to the question you had, what positions we are hiring. Yeah, okay, yeah, tell us <laughs> that, yeah, what, do, what, what do you need? What is the, what is the... So we, we, we very, our, our very needs, our needs are like uh, um, bioprocess engineers and scientists, okay. as well as uh, cell scientists, cell biology scientists, and then uh, food scientists. We, we are welcoming all the resumes at this moment. Please reach us if you are interested. The website's on the uh, the URL is on the on the podcast there. I think exactly. Right? Yeah, and you are part of the solution. So uh, join our team. Just coming out and be with performance. Come to LA and have a great time and uh, be heard. That's that's not a bad deal. Think about what it's like at work for you, and you might want to give these guys a call. All right, well, once again, today's episode of Startup Puzzle was sponsored by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Find them on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast or check out the YouTube channel. Uh, all of these URLs, you can get hold of any of us uh, in the podcast description. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for uh, inviting me into your headquarters and Startup Hustle as well. And I'm sure we'll all look for you guys in the news. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you very much, Ron. This was amazing. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.